When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this Fireside Folklore episode of Stories of Scotland. I'm Jenny, a spotless saucer. And I'm Annie, an eloquent and highly educated Kelpie. Today we are telling each other traditional Scottish tales about the marvellous Rowan tree. These trees may not be as mighty as the oaks or as tall as the pines, but they are truly wonderful in their own right. The rowan is native to Scotland and has been rooted here for as long as people have. Nowadays, they are common throughout the highlands, particularly in the northwest, and not many species can survive, let alone thrive, in the northwest of Scotland. So, this is a testament to just how exceptionally hardy these trees are. They can grow higher up on the mountains than any other Scottish tree. And there's even one little stunted rowan growing at an altitude of 870 metres in the Rannoch area. And that's 2,850 feet high, almost the height of a Munro. And while this little naturally bonsai rowan is alone up there, it's not unlike many others, which can often be spotted as lone sentinels on crags, cliff faces and boulders throughout the mountains and glens of Scotland. That's so cool, Jenny. I think we often romanticise the Rowan, but what you're saying to me is that they are rowdy and rugged little rascals. They are. And also, there's nothing I love more than seeing a tree growing really high up in a mountain all by itself, because that tree could be a hundred years old and it's like up to your knee. (laughs) It's amazing. It's so cool. (laughs) It's like these trees are forced to live their life much slower because they're at such high an altitude, but they're so determined yeah, and they're getting the best view because they're so up high. So good on them. Much slower and much lower. But the Rowan isn't only known for its lofty feats of survival. It's also steeped in folklore. Rowans are most renowned for their protective qualities. 
so much so that they were often planted near houses to offer protection to those who dwelt inside. Am I right in thinking, Annie, that you have a rowan in your garden, don't you? I do. And I've got an old house. I've got one in my back garden as well, and I just think it's really cool that we both have protective rowans hanging about us. And I think it's one of the trees that everyday people nowadays still associate with protection. So I said to my brother, I just had dinner with him, I said, we're going to record a podcast episode about rowan trees. And he was like, yeah, you know that they protect you from witches? And I was like, thanks, Callum. (laughs) Great tip. (laughs) I did. Yes, I did know that. Yes. And they're great for birds too. Birds love rowan berries. Personally, my favourite use of rowan is a fun old love potion. You can take seven berries, put them in a little purse, and you make this into your love charm by keeping the berries close to you. This charm will either bring back your ex that you might still be lusting after and hoping to reconnect with, or it could draw a brand new love to your doorstep. So either way, you are getting some love. I love that. It's like the antidote to the one that got away. (laughs) (laughs) But the real love is having a lovely rowan tree that you can pick those berries off of in the first place. That is true wealth, people. It's these big clumps of vibrant red berries that are really associated with rowans. They come out at the end of autumn, right about the beginning of winter. And they give the birds and all the hibernating animals that last little bit of nutrients that they need to get through the winter. Rowan berries appear in many mythological medicinal cures. However, they are poisonous to humans raw, so don't go snacking on them unless they are thoroughly cooked. Top tip there, Jenny. Don't eat poisonous berries. I do like that every time we bring up some sort of like folkloric medicinal thing, we have to be like, please, please don't try this. You might die. (laughs) Also, if you happen to find yourself out at sea, then bring with you a sprig of rowan because that little branch is guaranteed to bring you home safely. Again, classic stories of Scotland caveat on that guaranteed. It was theatrical and theoretical, but unfortunately not totally provable (laughs) (laughs) and finally the wood and branches of the rowan were believed to warn off evil enchantments witchcraft and the work of the devil some of which we will see in the story that i'm going to tell but first jenny let's hear what rowan you've brought to the table yes let's go My story tells us how the rowan tree got its powers of protection in the first place. It's a fairy tale of epic proportions, so I hope you're all ready for the tale of all washy dish. I'll pop my seatbelt on, Jenny. I'm ready to roll. Long, long ago, there reigned a king whose kingdom was blessed with breathtaking landscapes and ancient castles. This king had many daughters, His youngest was named Mary. However, she was rather troublesome. Though she was undeniably beautiful, her nature was as stormy as the Atlantic Sea. She was always haughty, huffy, and never satisfied. There was just no pleasing Mary. The king, weary of his daughter's incessant complaints and unpleasable disposition, decided it was high time for her to find a husband. But, as she was his daughter, he would ensure that the man was of noble blood. 
And so the king summoned all the eligible noblemen in the kingdom from which Mary could choose her husband. But Mary, being the difficult lassie she was, found fault in every nobleman presented before her. Each one was either too tall or too slouchy, or they had last season's hairstyle, or an unpleasant odour, or her personal favourite, she just didn't vibe with them. Her criticisms went on for hours, leaving not only the nobles rather disheartened, but also her father. Finally, the exasperated king decided that he had had enough. He led Mary outside the castle and declared that he would marry her to the first man they encountered. To Mary's horror, the first man they came across was an unkempt fellow who lived at the edge of the woods and tended to the royal pigs. The king, determined to be rid of his troublesome daughter, insisted that he be the one to marry her. Mary was outraged at the thought of marrying a mere swineherd and protested vehemently. But, undeterred, the king introduced Mary to the lad, whose name was Jack, and said, This is my youngest daughter. She's bad-natured and there's no pleasing her. I want you to take her for a wife. (laughs) Jack, hardly believing his luck, for Mary was very pretty indeed, was like, (laughs) All right. (laughs) And so taking Mary by the hand, he led her along the track on the edge of the forest. Mary, however, was having none of it and began complaining immediately. Accustomed to royal treatment, she insisted on being carried and refused to walk another step. And so, poor Jack had to give her a piggyback. And after only a little while, she began complaining of her hunger and did not stop until Jack was ready to drop her where he stood. Ah, these forests are full of fruit trees, he said, and they've always been good to me. Let us go and ask them for some fruit and he led her into the forest. After a short time, they found a wonderful apple tree laden with fine fruits, and Jack politely asked it for some apples. Certainly, young master, replied the tree, and shook some fruits loose. But Mary turned her nose up at the offerings and cried, I don't want these filthy wild apples. My stomach simply won't digest them. I want the royal apples from my father's orchard, for they are the best. The apple tree was most offended by this and crossed its branches and turned away. Rolling his eyes, Jack carried on into the forest and came across a wonderful pear tree and politely asked it for some pears. Certainly, young master, replied the tree and shook some fruits loose. But still, Mary refused to eat the pears, calling them fusty and rotten. The pear tree was thoroughly insulted and shook its leaves in dismay. Finally, they reached the last tree at the far edge of the woods. This tree was barely clinging on to life, its trunk hollow, its branches broken, the soil around it barren and dry. Jack told Mary that this tree was once the bride of the forest, but now it had the blight. And the old tree sighed and said, Yes, young master, I have the blight. I was cursed by the wicked witch of the woods, and now my life is all but gone. 
<laughs> Mary was repulsed by the old diseased tree and berated Jack for having introduced them. Exasperated, Jack took Mary back to his house. But this was the house of a young lad living alone in the forest, and Mary was dismayed at the state of it. It was like a midden inside, and she flat out refused to live there, let alone work there and clean it. Turning to Jack, she cried, I'd rather work for seven years for the wicked witch of the woods than work for seven years as your wife. As if summoned by Mary's words, the witch appeared in a puff of smoke and brimstone. She declared that Mary had willingly agreed to serve her for seven years, and now she must uphold her end of the bargain. Before Mary could croak a complaint, she was swept away to the old witch's house amongst the trees. This house, however, was spotless. Not a trace of dust could be found on any surface. But what could be found, stacked high to the ceiling, was countless piles of spotless china. Cups, saucers, platters, plates and many more items filled the entire house. The witch chained Mary to the sink with a big, heavy, rusty chain and commanded, As you'll no doubt see, I'm very fond of my dishes and it's your job to wash them all and keep them clean. And know this, lass, I'll go mad if you break my dishes. Break one, I'll scream down your throat like a mad thing. Break two, I'll leather you with this wooden broom. And break three, I'll crush you in between big marble stones. Don't believe me? Look out to the garden and you'll see between those two great stones the piles of the bones of the previous maids who broke three dishes. Terrified, Mary got to cleaning as carefully as she could. Three days passed, and each day the witch, whose name was Washy Dish, left the cottage in search of more precious plates, and oh, on Mary would wash. But she was in a dreadful state. What a fool she had been! To turn down every noble man in the land, and then even a kindly pig lad, only to end up with this endless torture for seven years, else face the fate of being crushed between great marble stones. Oh, what a fool! But Jack had not forgotten his new wife. He soon found the witch's house and waited for her to leave before running up to the window and climbing inside. Dismayed at Mary's situation, he began helping wash the dishes to lighten her burden. But so flustered were the pair that a dish slipped between them and smashed upon the ground. Terrified, Jack ran back into the forest and when the witch came home and saw the broken plate, oh, how she screamed, burning Mary with the heat of her words. Jack ran through the forest like the wind, fear hot on his heels. But then, all of a sudden, he ran smack into the back of an old man. This man turned out to be a wizard, who said that he knew of Washy Dish indeed, and that she was very powerful, more so than him, and that unfortunately, there was nothing he could do to help the frantic lad save his wife. Nevertheless, 
The next day, Jack returned to the witch's house once more. But while he was trying in vain to cut the heavy chain, the pair smashed another dish. Oh, how angry the witch was upon her return, and oh, how hard she hit Mary with the wooden broom. But luckily, once again, Jack had escaped before the witch returned. And this time he went straight to the wizard again to plea for help. The wizard hummed and hawed, but finally he said, If you can bring me old washy dishes wooden broom, then I might be able to help you. And so off Jack went to the witch's house once more. This time he crawled in through the window and stole the witch's broom. But as he crawled out, he smashed a third plate. Oh, Mary was distraught. Surely she would not survive to see the sunset now. But the witch was still out, and so Jack dashed as fast as he could back into the forest and gave the old man the broom. The wizard set to work weaving spells over the broom, and in return gave Jack a simple file and said, Although this looks weak, it is stronger than iron. Use it to cut through your wife's chains. And so off Jack ran to the witch's house and he started to file away at Mary's chain and oh, it did start to cut it, but it was mighty slow work. And soon they heard the birds scream and fly and clear the air as the witch made her way back home. Right as old Washy Dish entered her house and saw the third plate smashed upon the floor, the chain broke and Mary and Jack scrambled out of the window and flew into the woods. The witch, livid with rage, charged after them. But the couple ran and ran until finally they came to the apple tree and Mary pleaded, Oh, apple tree, apple tree, hide me for fairies and witches to find me. Oh, washy dish will break my bones and grind me between marble stones. But the apple tree turned up its bark and said that it would happily hide Jack, but not his rude wife. And so on they darted until they reached the pear tree, where Mary cried, Oh, pear tree, pear tree, hide me for fairies and witches to find me. Oh, washy dish will break my bones and grind me between marble stones. But the pear tree shook its leaves and said that it would happily hide Jack, but not his rude wife. The witch was fast gaining on them and so off they dashed until they reached the very edge of the forest and the only tree left to ask for help was the twisted old sick one. Oh sick tree, sick tree, hide me for fairies and witches to find me. Oh washy dish will break my bones and grind me between marble stones. The old tree shrugged its creaking boughs and said, Well... The wicked witch has already taken so much from me. I haven't much else to lose. Come, hide in my hollowed-out trunk. I shall protect you from all washy dish. At this very moment, the witch burst through the bracken and demanded the old tree tell her where the washing maiden was. But the tree simply sagged and said it knew of no maiden. The witch, burning with rage, kicked and punched the tree... But at that moment, the old wizard appeared and said, Old washy dish, I've curtailed your powers and put a spell on your magic broom. And now I rule the forest and I cast you back into your house to wash your own dishes. 
With this, the witch was banished back to her own abode, and Mary and Jack came out of the tree that had hidden them. The wizard chuckled and said, I hope you've learned your lesson, young Mary. And smiling, Mary replied, I certainly have. I have lost all I once had, but I knew nothing of its worth. Now I have a husband who loves and cares for me as I love and care for him. The wizard then turned to the old withered tree and said, I will change you into the bonniest tree in the forest as thanks for your protection of these two. And with a whoosh, the old dying tree transformed into the finest specimen they had ever seen, with luscious green leaves, strong grey bark and bunches of shining red berries. You shall forever be the mighty rowan tree, a tree that never withers and provides berries for all the wee birdies and protection for all who ask. Free from the witch's clutches, Jack and Mary started a new life. They moved to another castle where Mary worked in the kitchen and Jack tended to the pigs. A year or so passed and Mary's heart softened and she became wise and kind. One day, as she prepared a grand feast for a wedding in the castle, the servants came down to the kitchen and adorned Mary in magnificent robes. To her surprise, she was taken up to the wedding where she discovered that she was to be the bride and the humble pig lad Jack was not only to be her groom, but was also the prince of the castle. As it turns out, their fathers had orchestrated their union to test and transform Mary's character. Little did they know what trials the couple would end up facing together, but all for the better, as united in love and understanding, Mary and Jack lived happily ever after, and the mighty Rowan was forever the protector of the forest. The end. (laughs) That's such a cool story, and I love how it explained how the Rowan got its powers. It took a long time to get there, but we got there. (laughs) I feel like that story came into existence, rather, when the child was like, Oh, Mammy, I don't want to wash the dishes. And the Mammy's like, Ah, well, then let me tell you the story of old washy dishy. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, 
Jenny, now that you've explained how the Vowen got all of her powers, I have a funny wee tale for you about how we put the power of the Vowen tree into protective action. I am always here for the practical takeaways in our folklore episodes, Annie. Practical takeaways, but with a little asterisk of not to try this in real life. (laughs) (laughs) This will not save your life. (laughs) And coincidentally, we also have a piggy reference in this story, which is very exciting for me that we are both oinking today. Oink, oink. (laughs) (laughs) Because my tale takes place in Slocht Vrik, which translates to the hollow of the pig. Oink, oink, indeed, Annie. This is happening in a pass between Inverness and Strath's Bay, so it's just southeast of us. Now, Kelpies are shape-shifting water spirits, and sometimes they are capable of taking a human form, but they much prefer to take their natural presence, which is that of a great horse. Everyone across the Highlands was terrified of the Kelpie who was said to dwell in Loch Ness, and patrolled the surrounding roads. Like many demons throughout time, Kelpies disguised themselves as something innocent and helpful to lure passers-by into a false sense of security. This particular Kelpie would dress as a proud steed, saddled and bridled up, and then clip-clop, clip-clop along the road, looking particularly welcoming to any weary travellers. The Kelpie designed itself to have the gentle eyes of a plough horse and the grace of a show horse, yet this was all a mirage, as the Kelpie was savage in nature. By laying eyes upon it, you would never know. But if anyone was trusting enough to jump aboard the Kelpie's back, they would find that they could not escape its saddle, they would be stuck in place and then the Kelpie would gallop evilly into the deepest waters of Loch Ness and drown the helpless rider atop its back for their body to never be recovered again. It was a fate most dreadful, and all the locals greatly feared an encounter with this Kelpie. However, one day, a local man named James McGregor decided to take on the might of this mythical nightmare, who had duped so many innocent people. And he hatched a plan and set a trap. First, he took the branches of a rowan tree and formed them into the shape of a cross. He hung this cross above his doorway. Then he thought better of it and fashioned another dozen. He hung one above each window and one above his chicken coop and one in his cow byre and then one on his baby's cradle just in case. It was when his wife was poked in the eye by a protective rowan cross that had been attached to her bonnet that McGregor realised that mayhaps he had gone too far. And so he cooled off with the rowan crosses, deciding that he'd done enough now and moved on to the next step. He hunted high and low and found the least appropriate pair of shoes for Highland terrain that he could possibly find. They were a pair of beautiful red high heels. And he pulled out the most water-absorbent jacket possible and hid a big secret inside of it. Now, if it rained, he wanted to be sure that his jacket would soak through like a sponge because he understood that this was the best way to stand out as a tourist. 
And in his unsuitable but dashing shoes and his jacket, he went trudging along the road to Inverness, loudly complaining that he was lost and his feet hurt and he didn't expect the midges and he hadn't booked his accommodation ahead during peak season and was considering taking up caravanning, though he'd never driven on the left side of the road. I'm getting like visceral flashbacks to July right now. (laughs) (laughs) And lo and behold, it wasn't long until he heard the clip-clop, clip-clop of the so friendly-looking Kelpie approaching him. The horse spoke to him because... This Kelpie did not quite understand that regular horses are not inclined to speak. Why, hello, sir. I am a pleasant and friendly horse, offering rides to those in need. Would you care to jump atop my back and rest your sodden feet? I'll take you to your destination in half the time. James McGregor sized up this innocent-looking steed and arranged his face to look as though he was seriously considering riding this Kelpie which he knew would cause him certain death. He walked towards the Kelpie as though he was about to hop on, but at the very last second, from under his damp coat, he pulled a great sword, and he cut off the Kelpie's bridle. It fell to the ground, and McGregor seized it up. There's a part of the bridle that controls everything, and that's called the bit. The bit is the piece of the bridle that goes in the horse's mouth and it sits in the wide gap between the horse's front and back teeth. I think it's one of the pieces of horse tack that allows humans to assert most control over the animal because the bit is attached to the reins and so by simply tugging on the edge of a rein you're pulling a bit of metal that's in the horse's mouth and it's impossible for any animal to resist an order coming from a piece of metal that's jammed in their mouth and being tugged one way or another. I had a root canal yesterday, so I can confirm that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, just as a regular bit could control a regular horse, the Kelpie's bit could control all of his Kelpie powers. And so the Kelpie could do nothing but ask politely for its bit to be returned so that it could kidnap and then drown McGregor. What is your business with me, Mr McGregor? I have often heard of you as a man of great honour and humanity. Why, therefore, would you abuse a poor, defenceless animal like me? In my humble opinion, Mr McGregor, you are acting both cruelly and illegally. And certainly, your conduct would justify me if I should so return it twofold your assault upon me. However, I abhor violence of any sort, and so if you peaceably return me the bit of my bridle, we shall say no more of the subject. Surprised that the Kelpie had the debating power of an Indonesian defence attorney, McGregor politely refused the request to return the bit. However, the Kelpie saw this as an opportunity for yet another monologue. It is true that I am what you call a Kelpie, yes, you are correct. But it is known to my heart that my murderous profession was never quite agreeable with my true feelings. We Kelpies engage in many disagreeable undertakings. 
Nevertheless, believe it or not, for Kelpie kind, this is an honest livelihood. So will you please have the goodness to give me the bit of my bridle back? At this point, McGregor understood that he had a wee bit more power than he had first suspected. And that the Kelpie was truly useless without its bit. So he decided to use the Kelpie's own anxiety at losing this part of its bridle against it. McGregor responded, Well, Mr Kelpie, all your logic cannot change my opinion of the criminality of your profession. I confess, you have somewhat disarmed me with your reasoning. So, you know, I will return the bit to you, but only on the condition that you tell me of all of its uses and qualities, for I am naturally very curious. The Kelpie was delighted to declare all of the wonderful things that the bit was capable of doing. Oh, good sir, that bit has all the powers of transformation, information and observation necessary for the Kelpie's calling. And whenever a Kelpie loses its bit, whether voluntarily or by accident, our power is at an end, and certain annihilation within four and twenty hours is the consequence. Had it not been that my bridle was broken by your matchless blow, I might be so candid as to declare I might have broken every bone in your body. However, now you are stronger than myself, and you can be half a Kelpie at your pleasure. And if you were to look through the hole of the bit of the bridle, you will see myriads of invisible agents, fairies, witches and devils all flying about you all the time the same as if you had been gifted with the second sight, and all their machinations would be clearly exposed to your observations. Oh, there really is no end to the power of my bit. McGregor, now with all the knowledge and wisdom of the other world, quickly turned back on his promise. Ah, uh, I am much obliged to you for your information, thank you. But, uh... I'm sorry to inform you that your bit seems to be the one thing standing between myself and imminent death, and so I have decided to keep it. With that, McGregor marched home with the bit firmly in his pocket. The Kelpie followed him the entire way, squabbling the whole time. In desperation, the Kelpie cursed him with the words, Oh, this is preposterous! You will never enter your home with my bridle or my bit. Never. And with that, the Kelpie stood resolutely and stubbornly right in front of McGregor's front door, blocking his entrance. Perhaps it would come to pass that he would never get home with the bridle and the bit. However, thinking quickly, McGregor threw the bridle and the bit straight through the window, where luckily his wife was sitting inside. She caught it immediately in her lap. The Kelpie tried to leap after the bridle through the window. However, because the rowan had been placed above the window, it prevented the Kelpie from entering the house. And in this failed attempt, the Kelpie had moved, and so McGregor darted inside the door. Furious, the Kelpie saw that he had been outwitted, and so swore and used very foul language which would have been distressing had the Rowan not filtered all those horrible words from the air. 
Mrs. McGregor sang their sweet baby a lullaby as the Kelpie cursed a storm outside, having no impact at all on anything inside the house, or the chicken coop, or even the cow buyer. And after twenty and four hours had passed, the Kelpie was gone forever, and never again was it to be heard clip-clop, clip-clopping down the road. However, dear travellers, that Kelpie had a very big family indeed. So if you ever encounter a lonely speaking horse in Scotland, my top advice is not to trust it. My top advice is to get that on video, get it on TikTok and get those views. (laughs) (laughs) But wow, I was not expecting this Kelpie to give such eloquent speeches. Very rarely do we see mythological creatures debating to a wild extent with the human. When I was reading the original, I actually imagined the Kelpie in a lawyer's wig, you know, the white <laughs> curly one. Yep. I had to cut down the Kelpie's speeches from the original because he lies so much. He gives such long speeches. It's like he's standing for Congress. He just does not <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> And on the note of ceasing to talk, thank you all so much for listening to this Fireside Folklore episode of Stories of Scotland. We are proudly made in the Scottish Highlands and the only podcast brave enough to upset some mythological beings in order to tell you how you can escape and overcome them. We are supported by wonderful listeners in our Patreon community. And thanks to their generosity, it means we can bring this podcast to the world. So thank you all so, so much. You can also join our Patreon by following the link in the description, where you not only get ad-free episodes, but also lots more weird and wonderful little stories of Scotland extra content. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. It really helps with our engagement. And you can also follow us on all the social media platforms. Especially on Instagram, where if you don't follow us, first off, we got some great Bogbuster content up there right now, so you should. And also, we're almost at 5,000 followers, which has taken me like five years to grow. So, which one of you is going to be the lucky 5,000? Who knows? Better be one of you. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, Slanchava. Slanchava. Yes, the Rowan is native. Rowan? Rowan, I think it's a Scottish way of saying it. Okay, like we're having a row rather than we're going for a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rowan, I've heard people calling it that, but only in England. Cool. I need you to be a method actor right now. So think of the sweetness and the juiciness of an apple and yet the distinctive crunch and then channel that voice. Certainly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.